Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Cracked Rackets weekly roundup of the biggest storylines going on across the tennis world. Of course, all of us tennis fans getting ready to shift into off-season mode, the 2020 season pretty much in the books. We've got a couple of challengers, a few futures events left to finish up, but of course, with that in mind, we wanted to have a little bit of fun, get in the Thanksgiving spirit on today's Deciding Point show, talk a little bit about the things we are most thankful for with the 2020 season pretty much in the books and joining me to do just that as he always does on this show you know him as our crack rackets do everything forefather of the forehand slice james foster mcdonald jamie happy thanksgiving how are you doing with a little bit less tennis in your life nowadays i know hey thankful for another monday right that's just the positive (laughs) cheery me yeah, now that is great to hear. I think all of us at this point, hopefully thankful to get to spend some time with our families. Obviously, we haven't had a normal nine month this 2020 season, unlike any in tennis's history, but still plenty to be thankful for. So today we are going to name the five things we are most thankful for again from the 2020 season. Some of that going to cover the ATP tour, the WTA tour. Of course, we're going to have a little bit of fun as well. Talk about maybe some of the blunders that we have enjoyed over the past few months of tennis. And with that in mind, let's get into our first topic. Westoff, give me that deciding point sound effect. All right, Jamie, topic number one, the thing I am most thankful for from this 2020 season, I would say, is the fact that we have new Grand Slam champions in our life, whether it was Sophia Kennan, feels like a lifetime ago, was only January when she won the first Grand Slam of her career in Australia, of course, Iga Sviantek rolling to the French Open title, not dropping a set along the way. We also had our first non-Big 3 Grand Slam champion in what feels like forever as Dominic Team won the first major of his career at the 2020 U.S. Open. Jamie, this year felt like a breakthrough. It felt like we are really starting to see, with the turn of a page into the new decade, the new generation of tennis players start to capture their places at the top of the game. Yeah, and listen, on the women's side, not as surprising. You know, outside of Serena, look at how many new or, you know, one slam winners there have been in the last five or six years. So not, you know, terribly surprising, but still really fun to see players like Kennan and Sviantec get those titles. On the men's side, that's where it's more groundbreaking, just because the big three have had such a stranglehold on those major tournaments. Now, you get into the U.S. Open, the team wins, and, and all the different details of it, Nadal and Fed not playing. Djokovic, obviously, you know, doing what he did and will We'll certainly get to that. But um, no, I mean, it, it's great to see new winners and, and people climbing to the top of the game. That's what's always fun and ushering in a new era of tennis. That's that's what we're here to do. Yeah, and of course, to your point, Jamie, this is something we've already seen happening on the women's side. Feels like this trend is more continuing than anything else. But on the men's side, it just felt so refreshing to see a new Grand Slam champion and what that did for his confidence. Dominic team beats both Rafa and Novak Djokovic at the year-end finals in London. And of course, he loses that final match to Medvedev. But you could just see what that result meant to him. Of course, they weren't necessarily slam champions, but you know, to see a Stefano Tsitsipas and 
Andrei Rublev, Denis Shapovalov continue to progress at the majors as well. Felt like it was a major step forward for the next generation of players in 2020, and that feels like a perfect segue into our second topic, Jamie, because it wasn't just the next gen guys, and you know we'll get back to them in a little bit, but it felt like there were many different players who found themselves maybe off the beaten path in 2018 and 2019, whether it be due to injuries, whether it be due to a lack of confidence, whatever the factor was, that seemed to regain their footing in 2020. I know that's something we're both thankful for, right? Players like Andre Rublev, Vika Azarenka, reestablishing themselves as players to beat in the men's and women's games, respectively. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned Rublev and Azarenka. It's been great to have them back. One I'd throw in there as well is Raonic. We saw him be really dominant on that hard court swing right as tennis was coming back. So that was a lot of fun. Even, you know, at a somewhat lower level at this point, Jack Sock, you know, the fact that he's yeah. coming back and he's on court, you know, you see him on social media. He's, he's putting in the hours in terms of fitness. So good to see all these players getting back on track. And hopefully that momentum continues in 2021. Jack Sox, a really good example, a guy who won a challenger right before play stopped or maybe made the final before losing to Steve Johnson at Indian Wells, and he continues with his success here in the fall. I think you could also argue on the women's side, players like Shelby Rogers, who had had some injury struggles. She came out, looked so good, obviously, in Kentucky and then all the way through the U.S. Open. There are just so many different examples of players who used these six months, right, that they had off due to the global pandemic and improved their weaknesses, regain their footing, regain their confidence. I think it's worth repeating. We talked about it so much, but Andre Rublev has a case. I don't think he's going to win it, but has a case to be named player of the year. He, I think, was tied with Djokovic in terms of most wins uh, during this 2020 season. Obviously won a couple of ATP 500s down the stretch, and to see him healthy, to see him back, you know, former world junior number one, back amongst that group of peers, of course, for Vika Azarenka, her run through New York was stunning. And then to see Arena Sabalenka, her last two weeks on the WTA Tour, there are just so many different examples. And I'm glad you pointed to Sock because it's happening at the challenger level as well of players who just, Dennis Kudla is a great example in Orlando who used this time and in carry to get back on track, to find their fitness. And I think the quality of tennis in 2020 was much higher than I expected it to be. And that's something I'm eternally thankful for. Yeah, I mean, listen, these athletes are professionals. They use their time wisely, and it was really exciting to see them get get back. And, and hopefully, you know, there's not a bunch more shutdowns that cause them to not be able to play um, because now they're going to be wanting to be able to reap the rewards of those hard months they put in. I think that's the takeaway. You know, 2020, we learned tennis players, they are truly professionals. Uh, So that is something, hopefully, that translates into 2021. Of course, as we look into 2021 and the future, we always here at Cracked Rackets like to think about the next generation of players. And, you know, it feels like our former next gen, the people, the Medvedev, the Zverevs, the Tsitsipases of the world, they've aged out. They're the now gen. But we have seen the even further generation behind uh, begin to emerge in both the AT and WTA games, of course, most notably for the WTA, you have players, Iga Svantec, I think, still under 21 years old, right around there. Of course, Sophia Kennan around there, Coco Goff, Katie McNally's, the Claire Luz and Lees of the world, Marta Kostyuk, you can point to so many different examples. Of course, on the ATP side, you've got the Sin Man, Yannick Sinner, Brandon Nakashima, Lorenzo Musetti, Carlos Alcaraz, all making big moves, winning challenger level events or ATP matches down the home stretch. Jamie, it feels 
crazy to think that we're already moving past the Medvedev generation as the next gen, but we are already beginning to see this next crop of talented players, potential Grand Slam champions emerge, and it just makes me think these next five years, given how wide open it feels like things will be in both the men's and women's games, we could see some really exciting and really sporadic results. Yeah, listen, we're going to need a new name because in my heart, uh, <laughs> that crop of Medvedev, Tsitsipas, all of them, that's still next gen. Uh, so I, I, I can't I can't part with that in my heart. But no, it's been really, really fun to see these young guys come up on tour. You mentioned one, Yannick Sinner had a phenomenal 2020. Talk about somebody who took advantage of the opportunity given the pandemic and then the restart in 2020. He's at the top of the list. I mean, he just did so many things well, and he's asserted himself at the top of the men's game. And, you know, now you and I and, and many other outlets are talking about, you know, what's the cap for this guy? How high can he go? And, and honestly, we don't know. Like, his momentum is just so strong right now. So watching him going into 2021, of course. But I, I still got to give a little bit of airtime to the original next-gen crew. Medvedev coming <laughs> off, winning that uh, World Tour Finals. I mean, it's just phenomenal stuff from these guys. You know, the one we're not supposed to talk about making a final in the U.S. Open. Look, it's just great stuff from this next-gen crop, and it's really exciting to see them not fizzle out. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you noticed I haven't been using his name either. Yeah, the the thing is, the next gen, they've taken the former next gen, although great branding, again, by the ATP, that is going to stick with them forever. Yeah. They've established themselves, right? Andre Rublev, it's not he's winning his first ATP 250 title, it's that he's winning 500 titles. For Daniil Medvedev, he's not winning an ATP 500 title, he's not getting to a Masters final, he's the third straight of that crew to win a year-end finals, right? And the year-end finals are what they are, but that it's been Zverev, Tsitsipas, Medvedev back to back to back, that means something. That we see Dominic team winning already, that means something. And to have, you know, on the men's side, and I know we're not talking about the women's side here, but it's because the women are already so good. I mean, Kenin, Osaka, Andrescu, Sabalenka's only 22. They're top 10 players now, so they've already been there. But on the men's side, those top 10 guys have finally really solidified themselves, and I think it's so encouraging that, you know, it's the Ugo Umbers of the world as well, the Miomir Kesmenoviches who take a step forward each and every season to have them, and then the Nakashima, Alcaraz, Musetti, all challenger winners in the background as well. This is a crazy talented group of players, and it just, you know, why I'm thankful for it, it's been so monotonous these past, really, 10, 5, 10 years of men's tennis. You know the six and seven, or seven guys who are going to get be competing for each and every event. I really do think in the 2020s, we're going to have 10 to 15. I think 20 is probably too adventurous, but especially towards the back half, maybe 10 to 15 guys who, if they're playing well, can win any event. And I think that's something tennis fans should be excited about and thankful for. Yeah, 100%. How can you not be, right? It's an exciting turn. Uh, well, it's somewhat sad to turn the page on the guys who have dominated and been the face of the game for so long. At a certain point, you know, hey, it's time. It's time to move on, right? So really, it's, it's just about those younger guys coming up, getting the confidence and, and claiming that crown for themselves. No, I completely agree with you there. Well, then let's switch gears here. Let's have a little bit of fun with the fourth thing we are most thankful for. And I, Jamie, am going to sneak in a bonus one here. One of the things I am most thankful for that I can call you to bounce ideas off of because this next one comes directly from you. So I want to let you take the reins here. I completely agree. The fourth thing we are most thankful for, Novak Djokovic's blunders in 2020. You want to let our listeners know what you mean? 
There's just a lot there, isn't there? There's so Um, many. So many. (laughs) Look, you go to the obvious one that probably cost him a Grand Slam title, um, just firing a ball into the throat of a line judge. Well, hey, I I can't give a 100% assumption that he was going to win the tournament. It looked like it was trending that direction. So, But again, I don't want to completely assume because team did go out there and win it, right? So who knows? But yes, it looks like he was on track to win yet another Grand Slam at the U.S. Open. Fires that ball into the line judge's throat. That's a, that's a pretty big blunder. Much earlier in the quarantine season, he was helping put on that Adria tour, got COVID, potentially slash probably spread it a bunch and was very irresponsible about it. Not a good look. The and newest- we're two seconds away from canceling the 2020 season. We were like, oh my God, this outbreak. I'm telling you, I was in Miami for that exhibition event JC Aragoni put on, talking to all of those players there and then going to Kentucky the next week to talk to the women there. They were like, yeah, after Adria, after the Atlanta Cup, we don't know if they're going to play the U.S. Open. We don't know of it. So it, that is to say, you know, people will say, well, they played the Adria Tour and ended up being fine. It was not fine. I Objectively, not a success in my opinion. Yeah, no, it was it was dicey at the absolute best. Um, and then, of course, we have the drama more off-court with the PTPA formation and now sort of the drama that has come since with trying to join back on the ATP Player Council. It's just, <laughs> come on, what are we doing here, yeah. Novak? No, you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, uh, we're thankful for all of it because it's fodder for top, you know, for conversation here at yeah. Cracked Rackets. And of course, we continue to be thankful for his exceptional level of play. It feels worth noting the most untold story of this 2020 year will be the fact that he started out, what, 28, 29 and 0, whatever it was, something crazy like that. And of course, to have that streak snapped by hitting a line judge in the throat, we're thankful that line judge is okay. But what a moment that will be in tennis history. And yeah, 2020. I don't know if it'll be associated in a good way, in a bad way, but much of it in men's tennis will be associated with Novak Djokovic because of all that he was intertwined with both on and off the court. I completely agree with you there. Well, then our final topic, our deciding point on today's show, uh, the last thing we are thankful for, the thing we are arguably, and I, in my opinion, uh, most thankful for here at Cracked Rackets. I know I speak for you, Jamie. I speak for Westolf Dalton as well. Uh, the fact that we got any tennis in in 2020 and the fact that we got to enjoy that tennis with our Cracked Rackets fans with all of you out there in the tennis community of course you know for so many of us these past nine months it's meant being alone in our houses or you know not getting to travel to work not getting to see the people in our lives we're so accustomed to seeing and for us to have a tennis community to turn to for us to know that regardless of what's going on outside of the tennis world we know we can all come together have some fun with everything that's going on within it uh, it means the world to us here at Cracked Rackets it's why we do all of this, right, Jamie? Yeah, and, and just the sheer entertainment value. is great to be able to have some tennis. Tennis is one of the sports that could be done safely. Um, and so, you know, we felt very fortunate. There's like, hey, we actually have things to talk about, right? It's not just nine pure months of speculation. Although you and I would have had some fun with that, it was probably <laughs> a lot better for the listeners and the viewers uh, that there was actually substance to talk about. So, no, it's been great. I'm glad that the events were done safely, and hopefully we can put us put this behind us as we move into the next year. Oh, believe me, we are going to get into off-season mode here at Cracked Rackets. We will have some fun over this next month. But yeah, and I mean, I feel like it has to be said, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, his 
blood is 50% Red Bull at this point, and so we both owe him a huge thanks. None of this happens without his work. Dalton's all right, too, but Westoff is the one we are most thankful for here at Crack Rackets, so shout out to him, and again, shout out to all of you out there who joined us for today's episode. We hope you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving. We hope you all are staying safe and healthy, and I hope you are all excited for what should be a really fun offseason as we all wonder what tennis is going to look like when we get back to the action in 2021. Of course, we'll be previewing all of that action over the next four weeks on our Deciding Points show, so be sure to join us next week. But for my co-host, Jamie McDonald, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been watching another edition of the Deciding Point, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.